Let's jump into talking with our guest. Frank Hawkins is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer. He is a former correspondent, foreign correspondent for the Associated Press, and he has a number of pieces on in uh, published on the American Thinker. And we've had him on before. Uh, one of his his pieces that just went viral was. Um, the 10 most destructive Americans in your lifetime. And then we had to get on on the positive note, Frank Hawkins, and the 10 most uh, influential Americans in your lifetime. And those are both, those were great conversations, Frank Hawkins. Well, good morning, Kim. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, We're doing well, doing well. I appreciate the opportunity to say hello again. Well, it's great. And we have in studio with me a couple of my uh, valued partners. That is Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance. So they may jump in here with some questions as well. But uh, April 5th, you published on the American Thinker, uh, Representative, Representative Ilhan Omar, where are her real loyalties? And, you know, she had recently questioned the loyalties of Jewish American supporters of Israel. And uh, you said that inevitably raises a question about her loyalties. What do you think? And I guess we should set it up a little bit. She, I, I mean, she was born in Somali in, uh, during the Civil War. And so, you know, take it from there. Well, yes, thank you. Yeah, she was born um, after the uh, Somali uh, Civil War. Uh, she was born in Mogadishu. Um, and her family um, basically uh, fled uh, the strife-torn uh, countries and went to uh, neighboring Kenya. And they spent uh, four years in a refugee camp there under what can only be assumed to have been minimum conditions, in other words, miserable conditions. But finally, uh, after some applications, her family uh, was accepted for immigration into the United States and they, uh, in 1995, and their application was approved, and the family moved to Minneapolis. And five years later, at the age of 17, she became an American citizen, and she finished college at North Dakota State in political science, international studies, and got involved in, in American politics, uh, which culminated in um, 2018, with her election to Congress at age 38. We call that living the American dream. And my thought was, boy, talk about, uh, you know, an opportunity for a Somali-born Muslim to be elected to Congress. But uh, she should, my attitude is that she should be very thankful to basically a majority white, traditionally Christian country that welcomed her and her Sunni Muslim family with open arms and ultimately enabled her to become Representative Omar. But instead, listen to her. She blames white nationalism on custom and border agents um, overwhelmed by massive illegal alien immigration at our southern border. Uh, and uh, she called uh, the treatment of the people down there by the ICE and the uh, Border Patrol people, she called it abhorrent and inhumane. Um, and then she said it's without a doubt a reflection of what white nationalism is doing to our country. Does this sound like someone who is grateful for an opportunity given to her by a predominantly white Christian, uh, traditional Christian country? I, I just think it's disgusting. And um, her obvious animosity 
toward her fellow Americans, particularly American Jews, is quite obvious in her open support for the Council on American-Islamic Relations, also known as CARE. And it's a front group for the Muslim Brotherhood in America. And by the way, Hamas is the militant Palestinian offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood that broadcasts calls to murder Israelis. And so I, uh, you know, I'm just disgusted by this whole behavior, and that's why I wrote the column. Well, it is a, a very interesting column, and truly, truly, she is living the American dream. Uh, just a question, do you happen to know which refugee resettlement agency brought the family over? Do you happen to know? I do not know. Okay. That's something that, and the reason I asked that question, Frank, is because I served on the board for Lutheran Family Services out here in Colorado, and and really, I, I have I have a heart for my fellow man. Um, they do adoption, uh, refugee resettlement, and you know some programs for seniors. And um, as I sat on the board, I, I started to realize that there was big government money in refugee resettlement. And at the time, as I looked at it, from a, a budget of $12 million, $10 million was coming from government contracts. And so as I started to connect the dots, I realized that American taxpayers were being taxed, that money was being used to bring in refugees, and, and we, we think that's a noble cause. But then I realized because of government money, we were not able to talk about American values and, you know, the Judeo-Christian kind of fabric uh, of the American idea. And so for many years, we've been bringing in refugees, but not explaining to them the American idea. And then here we get Ilhan Omar in office, and uh, she's swearing to uphold the U.S. Constitution, which values the individual, but she doesn't seem to understand that. Yeah, I tell you, it's, it's in my opinion, it's it's worse than that. I I regard her basically um, as a Trojan horse into our society. I mean, the problem is, if you, I, I, I worked in Beirut for two years as chief of Middle East services, and I had numerous uh, Palestinian and Muslim friends, and I got along well with them. It was never a problem, but at the same time, we have to recognize that Islam is totally incompatible with the American system. And she's attempting now, she's the wedge that begins to bring the Islamic system and culture into the United States in what inevitably is going to be a direct confrontation with our Constitution and our traditional American values that go back to 1776 and the founding of our country. What do you think is going to happen, Frank Hawkins? I don't know. It's too early. I'm, uh, if you look at the trajectory of things, it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not encouraging. And you have basically the media, which is very sensitive to any perceived criticism of Islam. Um, and you've got that at the very highest reaches of our government. Uh, even President Trump is very, uh, in my opinion, cautious about it. And with good reason, to some degree, because the truth is, we do have uh, Muslim allies around the world in places like uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, Egypt and uh, Jordan and so on. These are these are Muslims, 
and I'm happy to have Muslim allies around the world, but I'm not happy to have Muslims coming in under the soft underbelly of the United States and basically attempting to change our culture, and uh, which she is, which she is a symbol of what's going on there. Um, and, and, and you can see this in several recent incidents. Uh, for instance, um, um, when she was discussing uh, the uh, uh, the 9/11 issue, you may have remembered mm-hmm. that, and she, she quoted as, was quoted as saying as saying, um, "Well, some people did some things. What the hell is that? How is that a description of 9/11 when you had um, a dozen uh, Islamic jihadists who killed over 3,000 uh, people, most of them Americans, but not entirely?" Um, and so. You have to say to yourself, when you hear her comment about 9-11, you have to ask yourself, you couldn't tell if she was on the side of the victims of 9-11 or the perpetrators. A totally neutral comment. And now, most recently, um, we've had the fire, uh, the tragic fire in Paris, uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral, and her comment was, well, art and architecture have a unique ability to help us connect across our differences and bring people together in important ways. I'm sorry, what kind of a comment <laughs> is that? Uh, I mean, the truth is, Notre Dame Cathedral is a symbol of Catholic and Christianity values um, that date back 850 years. That, that, that cathedral is an international Christian treasure. And she makes a stupid comment like that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's beyond the pale. Well, and in your piece, you note that in Somalia, the government there prohibits celebrations of Christian festivities. And so it does seem that there is, um, Christianity in many ways has been under attack. I, I received one of the other producers of one of the other stations gave me a piece regarding uh, attacks on churches throughout France, that there has been attacks uh, on many churches over the last few years. And then, 875 is the number, Kim. 875. And we're yeah. going to go to break here in just a minute. But, Frank Hawkins, one of the other things that I do is I have a World War II show where I interview World War II veterans. And I was interviewing one the other day. And uh, he was... Uh, uh, he was a paratrooper, and then he was in special forces. He was a Green Beret for 30 years. And he said, now, I know that, uh, you know, it, it's early. We were talking just as the, the newsreel was coming um, coming across regarding the Notre Dame fire. But he said, boy, it seems to me like it might be sabotage. And, you know, I'm thinking, this guy's been around. He's uh, in his 90s. He can say whatever he wants now. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. So, Frank Hawkins, let's go to break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Have in studio with me Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance. And uh, we want to continue this important conversation. We have Frank Hawkins on the line with us. He is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, former associate uh, or correspondent, foreign correspondent with the Associated Press. We're talking about this important piece that he had has in the American Thinker regarding Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. Uh, she is a Muslim, and uh, he asked where her loyalties are. Indeed, she uh, she was born in Somali. She was in a refugee camp, or they, they uh, escaped the civil, civil War, was in a refugee camp. Americans brought her here with open arms and even made her a citizen. Frank Hawkins, I think that's important that people understand. America was founded on an idea, and people can come here 
to be and they can become Americans. There's no other country in the world where people can go to that country and become a, a I could I could move to France, but I can never be a Frenchman, a French woman. But you can come to America and you can become an American. And she became an American at the age of 17. And now she's 38 years old and she's in Congress. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I think, uh, Kim, you've summed it up very well. Look, I can't let it go past uh, the comment you made just before the break about the suspicious nature of the fire in Notre Dame. And there's some new information coming out, and it's so current, I think it's worthwhile to deflect just a moment away from the, the, uh, the topic of this conversation to point out um, that the workers who were refurbishing the roof are among the most specialized craftsmen in the world. I mean, their job is to do things like this. They uh, recently uh, fully restored a cathedral in Reims, as an example, and so on. Uh, the workers stopped at 6 p.m. The fire started 50 minutes later uh, near some scaffolding. No electricity was allowed near the roof because it's made of wood and, and, and was obviously highly flammable. And um, everything was done to avoid any source of heat near the wood of the roof. No electrical plugs, no welding was allowed. Um, and uh, the guy who's the head of the scaffolding company said, all I can say for the time being is that at the moment of the fire, absolutely none of my employees of my company was present on the site. All safety procedures had been respected. And um, so I, I think that there's still a lot to learn there. Um, it's clearly someone had to have come into the cathedral and lit it up. And so who knows who that was or what it was. You can, you, can, you know, there's evidence in some places of um, Islamists who were celebrating the fire. So, as I say, I don't want to get distracted from our main point of conversation, but I just couldn't let that go by. Well, and uh, to your point, this timing is really interesting, and that is what my my World War II veteran said. He said it's it's very suspect. And then I also find it interesting, and I'm grateful for it, uh, Frank, but nobody was hurt. But, uh, you know, waiting until, I mean, it started after everybody was out of there. It does seem very suspect, but we'll probably have another conversation about that. Now, Frank, uh, one of my uh, guests here, Kim Sturtz, had a question for you regarding Ilhan Omar. And uh, Kim, uh, uh, go ahead. You can ask Frank that question. Hi, Frank. I heard that she was successful in overcoming a 180-year rule in Congress of not being able to wear headwear. Yeah, that's true. They uh, they actually made a change that specifically enabled her to to uh, wear a hijab. And that was after, and uh, that rule had been in place since 1837. Now I'm going to date yeah. myself, but you know I remember back during the whole women's lib movement that uh, feminists said, you know, we don't want people telling, we don't want men telling us what to do, and and you know women were burning their bras because they you know wanted to to be free and. Now these same women uphold the fact that there is a, uh, a, a religion that is really very patriarchal that basically says women have to wear a head cover. And uh, now we've, we've overturned that rule. 18, it's been in, in uh, Congress since 1837. That rule has been overturned. And I wonder where all those bra-burning feminists are, Frank Hawkins. <laughs> that's, a, that's a damn good question, I have to tell you. 
and for some reason they have they have tucked in under this and uh, what you find uh, particularly in the media is a intense uh, amount of caution to avoid offending anybody and most specifically they don't mind offending Catholics they don't mind offending other Christians uh, they are somewhat less cautious about offending Jews, but God forbid to say anything that might uh, offset the uh, set off the uh, the Muslims. And uh, this is very treacherous territory we're in. You know, it is very treacherous territory, and it's across the political spectrum. And uh, you're mentioning Muslim, and we've got just a few minutes. But I've been thinking a lot about this, and there's a lot that is occurring under being nonpartisan as well. So instead, if you take a stand, if you take a stand on principles, if you're searching for truth, that could be considered partisan. But yet, if you're wishy-washy and, uh, you know, don't really take a stand, which continues to move this window further and further and further to the radical left, then that seems to be okay. And we need to, and I think that's why... Uh, Trump is enjoying the success he is, is because he's taking a stand. He's taking a stand on principle. I know I kind of wish he wouldn't say some of the stuff he does sometimes, Frank. But yet when I look at the policies and what he is doing, while, while you know, the far left is opining about his tax returns or this Mueller report coming down the pike, he's actually making, doing policies, reducing regulations, trying to get taxes down that help everyday hardworking Americans, no matter what their descriptor is, man, woman, black, white, Hispanic, gay, straight, whatever, when you lift uh, this, this economic boat and the economic well-being of everybody, it doesn't see any of those descriptors. It helps everybody. Yeah, that is very well stated. I, another aspect of this I think you should look at closely with Omar is her relationship with CARE. And uh, which I mentioned earlier, the Council on American Islamic Relations. And um, CARE is a really, uh, in 2009, was listed as an unindicted co conspirator in uh, terrorist fundraising uh, operation in the United States, known as the Holy Land Foundation. And uh, the founder, the co founder of, of uh, CARE, a guy by the name of Omar Ahmad is on record in 1998 in saying that Islam should dominate not just the United States, but all, con- all countries. I mean, he said, if you choose to live here, you have a responsibility to deliver the message of Islam. Islam isn't in America to be equal to any other faiths, but to become dominant. The Quran should be the highest authority in America and Islam the only accepted religion on earth. Everything we need to know is in the Quran. We do not need to look anywhere else. And so I say, well, does anybody have any questions about that? I mean, it's so blatant and straightforward. And CARE is a, uh, is a funder of, um, of Omar. She gets her Benjamins, or some <laughs> Benjamins from CARE. And um, uh, she has been a speaker at CARE um, uh, events in California. In fact, uh, one of those events, she said, um, uh, she complained about Muslims facing um, uh, uh, discrimination and so on uh, in the United States. And she said, 
Uh, we have to raise hell. We have to make people uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as Americans felt after 9-11. Wow. Hey, Frank Hawkins, we are, we're out of time, but just a comment regarding what you, uh, that quote. That does not sound very inclusive, no, nor coexisting to me. So, Frank Hawkins, thank it you so much. much. <laughs> and All we right. will get you back because uh, you're doing great work in American Thinker. So thank you so much.